If you'd just take your Bibles at this moment, that would be wonderful. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. We've finished our series on uh, who do you say that I am, <coughs> Jesus, and we're just about to have um, Scott Gervin next week speak to us from Malawi, so we're in a bit of an in-between moment this morning, and uh, I thought this would be a great passage for us to look at together. Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time, their nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were others with him. His partners, James and John and the, son, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And as we look at this passage together, we know that God will speak to us. So let's continue to worship him. Andy and I, we uh, love water. Um, ever since we've sort of known each other, water has been a kind of a theme in our relationship. Um, when we first sort of went away with some friends for a weekend, it was down to Lawn, and Lawn was a place where Mandy had spent all her holidays growing up on the beach, uh, throwing balls around on the sand, playing um, there ever since she was a little uh, girl. And I can remember some of the best holidays that I had with my family on the beach, and we just loved the water. <coughs> I proposed to Mandy at Southbank, right next to the water. It was lovely, romantic night. Uh, when we got married, our honeymoon was in Fiji. And uh, I can remember uh, sort of jet skiing and uh, doing things on boats, you know, going for little cruises on boats together and just uh, being with water around us all the time. So when we had our first child, she didn't stand a chance. We saw this uh, 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 Olympic kind of guy talking about how it's great to start kids off in the water from a very early age. And at that time, Alex couldn't speak or talk or anything, but if she knew what was going through our minds, 
she would have ran a mile because uh, this guy was saying just early, get the kids into the pool, get them going and, and blow in their face. Then they take a breath and then just plunge them right under the water. And uh, we loved water, so we thought, let's give it a go. So we got this lady called Cookie, who's a, who was an expert uh, in, in swimming instructor and, she, instructor, and she liked little kids. And so we took them along each, uh, took Alex along each week from a very early age. And she just loved the water. And she loved being in the water. And we loved taking her too. It was a great uh, mix all together. And uh, then one day, all of a sudden, something happened in Alex's little heart. She just got a fear of the water. And we didn't know what had happened. And we said, come on, hop in. And she said, no, no, no. And as we sort of unpacked what had happened is we, we let her, uh, we, she was babysat by a friend of ours and they had this video, Free Willy. Anyone seen Free Willy? And what happens in Free Willy, there's this scene where this boy is just uh, thrown off a boat or something and just goes sinking down into the water. And little Alex, you know, we found that every now and again we'd be in a shop, Mandy would be in a shop with Alex and she'd say, oh, look at that top, that's the same colour as that boy in Free Willy when he was drowning. And we put things together and realised that poor old uh, Alex had uh, a real fear of the water brought on by Free Willy. So I just would say, don't watch Free Willy, all right? <laughs> but there is a, 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 a deep thing happened in, in Alex from that moment. So we ended up having to stop swimming lessons for a period and sort of come back again at it. And, and now she's much more uh, relaxed and the fear has gone when it comes to swimming for Alex. She's overcome that fear. But, you know, uh, today's passage is all about going deeper. And I think for many of us, like Alex, we kind of have a fear of going into the deeper water uh, when, when God might call us to do that in different ways. Uh, it's a in, pretty incredible passage here because uh, it starts off uh, just explaining the, the situation that was happening. Uh, one day... As Jesus was preaching on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He'd noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Peter uh, his brother Andrew and his partners James and John, they'd spent the night fishing together. And uh, they had, would have had drag nets. It was a, a kind of back-breaking exercise to be a fisherman because it involved kind of laying out this big drag net right along the, the bottom of the sea and in a sort of semi-circle. And it would have encompassed about 100 feet. And then it, they would have had to draw up the, the net together so it would come up and surround and catch the fish and in the net. And so just one hand after the other, pulling up the nets after they'd laid it down, was what they would have had to do. And this work was very strong. You couldn't be uh, weak in doing this. You couldn't be ill or, or physically sickly to do this. It required strong people, strong men. And they'd sweated all through the night. They'd been toiling with their boats and, and the nets and, and they'd 
after all this pulling and hauling in and finding nothing in their nets all night, they put their boats back on the edge and uh, sat down exhausted. They ate breakfast and uh, they probably sat there just relaxing in the, in the warm sun, sort of real beat after a big night of fishing. It, uh, all that was left to do now was just the tedious work, the hard work that comes after a really heavy night. And when you're tired, it would have been hard for them be- just to sit back and to mend their nets. I know with me, when I've finished the lawn mowing or the whippersnipping, the last thing you want to do is clean it before you put it away. And this is probably how they felt. They would have had to mend their nets, make sure any tears in it were mended so that the fish couldn't have uh, escaped. They would have to wash their nets as well just to ensure that they were right for the next time. And when they'd finished doing all of that, they would have folded up all their nets on top of one another, put them back in the boat ready for the next night of fishing. On this particular day, though, the monotony of, of doing what they had done every you know, regularly each night was broken because a big crowd had started gathering right there near the seaside. And, and they were pressing around Jesus and they were listening, verse 1 says, to the word of God. They were listening to, for the word of God. Jesus was preaching and he was preaching with his characteristic authority and power as he looked over at all the people that he was speaking to. And the crowd that were following him and that were coming to hear him preach now was very large. He could draw a crowd at this stage. And so um, Jesus asked if he could actually use Simon Peter's boat and, and if he could use it to sort of push out into the water and preach to the people from there. Then instead of being pushed back by the crowd sort of into the water, he could hop on the boat and sort of have a floating pulpit like right there. You know, he would have spoken and as he spoke, his words hitting the water and going on to the crowd would have been kind of like a natural amphitheatre and it would have been uh, it, it really good to hear what he was saying, would have loved to be there. But we don't, don't really know how much attention Peter was, was paying to Jesus' message. Perhaps he was just so tired, he was so exhausted that perhaps he was just gazing into the water after the night. He probably wouldn't have been too attentive. But whatever was the case, Jesus suddenly had Peter's full attention because he comes to him and uh, he, he says to him these words. This is what it says in verses 4 onwards. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper. Let your nets down and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. This was a demanding request that Jesus made of uh, Simon Peter. To say it was demanding is really an understatement. It it was far harder than what it just seems as we first hear. Because Jesus was asking a man who'd not slept all night who was really tired, who'd spent the night just pulling up one net after the other and every time looking and just hoping to find fish there, finding nothing and having to start again by dragging the, putting, putting the nets down again and then starting the process up again. And he'd been doing that all night with the guys that were with him and he, now he had these heavy nets that he would have had to pick up and put back into the boat again and then he had to row out into the deeper water and then he had to start circling all over again And now, perhaps with a crowd 
around to see whether they would catch anything. It was midday. No one caught fish at midday. Not only was it demanding requests, but it seemed ridiculous too to Peter. And Peter was a full-time professional. He knew about fishing. He knew this, uh, the Sea of Galilee. He knew these waters. He knew the fish. He knew the best times to fish. He knew the places where he could catch them. He would have remembered days in the past where he'd caught them at this time and at that time. and the, he, he would have known all about the whole place. And yet Jesus comes along and he's a carpenter's son. What does he know about fishing? He's an itinerant preacher that just went from place to place. Any uh, good fisherman would have said, uh, what on earth do you think you're doing telling me where to fish? Nevertheless, at Jesus' words, Peter agrees to cast the nets. I want you to just note here in this passage that this one act of Peter's points to a huge potential in his life. Why? Simply because he responds to Jesus' leading. I think it comes out so clearly in this passage that Jesus is looking for people who will go where he leads them to. You see, just an ordinary day is made extraordinary just because Peter responds to Jesus' listening, uh, Jesus' leading. He, he says yes. Instead of saying, no, I'm tired. Instead of saying, no, it's ridiculous. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing and you don't. Instead of all the excuses and the tiredness, he says, okay. And he is someone who is filled with incredible potential because Jesus is looking for followers who are just willing to go where he leads. I, I think today God still wants to use people just like he used Peter right there. I think right today in this church, God's still wanting to use you just like he used Peter. And I think he wants to do incredible things through you. He wants to lead you to where he wants you to go. Just like Peter at the Sea of Galilee. And I think the only thing that God is wanting to say to you and to me today is, is to go deeper. Take the next step. And you, might, you might come back and you might say a lot of things like, oh, I'm tired. You know, I'm tired. I, I just haven't got time in my life to do what you're asking me to do because I've just got all these things that are going on and I've got all these, you know, you wouldn't believe how frustrating this is and if I do that, you're saying I'm going to catch a lot of fish that way? And maybe you think today it might be easier just to ignore that because you know better. Not only are you tired, maybe you, you think you know better and you've figured out what, what you think God wants you to do. And when you hear Jesus say, just do this, you think, I'm doing this. I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on. I know better. And maybe that keeps you. Or maybe you're just like little Alex, afraid to go deeper. Because it's much easier just to stay in the shallows where everything's safe and you know what's going to happen next. You know, I think there's opportunities for so many of us to go deeper. I think there are people here this morning that have come 
and come to know more about Jesus. Perhaps it was even just last weekend at those services where you felt God speaking to you clearly. And perhaps what you know he's saying is to just take the next step, whatever it is. And it could be that you know without a doubt that God's wanting you to, to follow him, to become a follower of Jesus, just to say, I want to give you my life, Lord. And yet you've never come to that point. Well, going deeper for you might be just saying, Jesus, I'm yours. Have me. Could be that you've done that, but you're just afraid of this kind of water, you know, the baptistry. And it might be that you might think, well, I might get my hair wet. Or maybe, will, they, will Jonathan ever bring me up again if I went down in there? <laughs> Whatever it is, there might be reasons, you know, fear of being in front of people. But, but as we look at the scriptures, when people became followers of Christ, what they did uh, was inside they said, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. But outwardly, publicly, they, they declared what they were doing internally by being baptised and making a public declaration. It could be for you that going deeper this morning and saying, I'm just going to obey you, whatever you say, God. And I'll be baptised. Could be that for you, you, you have never really uh, gone past coming to church on Sundays. Perhaps for you, you, you might have maybe grown up in a church where that was all that Jesus ever required of you was just to come each Sunday. And between whatever hours from here to there, that was what it was. But if you were honest, the rest of the week just doesn't really, God doesn't get in there. You know, he, he, might, be, he might be speaking to you, but you never pause long enough to hear him. Maybe going deeper for you is saying, uh, God, I, I'm just going to commit to following you, not just on Sunday mornings. I'm going to commit to to speaking to you every day. And maybe the first thing might be just saying, every day I'm going to pause for five minutes, for ten minutes, and pray, and I'm going to ask you to to, to speak and to lead me through the day. I'm going to read a little bit of your word each day and ask you to guide me. Maybe for you it's it's saying going deeper is is to start in getting involved in ministry. You know, the Bible speaks about all those that follow Jesus being given gifts, and the gifts are to help the, the body together so that we can function together. And maybe you realise that I've been following Jesus for a long time, but I've never actually started to do anything like outworking of my faith within the church, within the body. And it could be that for you when, when Jesus says, go deeper, go, go, go out into the deeper waters. For you, it might be saying, yeah, but I, uh, you've had all excuses. I, I'm not gifted in any area. I'm not good enough. You know, maybe I just don't have the time or I don't have the effort. And, and, and God's saying, Go, go deeper, go deeper. And for you, it might be just as simple as saying, I'm available to any ministry area leaders. You know, uh, I, I happened to be down here yesterday while the uh, church cleaning was, was taking place. And I found out that there's 27 people on the cleaning roster. And that means that if you're on the cleaning roster, you'll be part of a team every six to seven weeks. And, you know, if we had more people on that cleaning roster, wow, that would be great. Well, what's that about going deeper? Well, what it is is saying, I'm, a, I'm just available, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll be involved. Uh, you might have just a small thing that you can give. But that might be what Jesus wants to use so that people come in here, go to the toilet and say, well, this is a nice, clean church. 
I think I'll come back. Or it might be that for you, uh, talking to Joan and saying, uh, look, I don't know, I do like kids and just don't know what, much about where I fit in. Or talking to Phil about youth and young adults and I don't know, but maybe uh, I don't think I'm very gifted in areas, but I'm available if you want to use me. It could be that for you, it, it, it just might be that there's somewhere where you, Sandy or Howard could use you too. Going deeper might be just being a little bit more inconvenienced or facing your fears of inadequacy or stepping out whatever way he's calling you to do that. Now, it could be for you that going deeper means getting involved seriously in your workplace. Like just saying to God, what's the next step in my workplace for, where I can be more effective for you? You know, I, I really believe that God wants to use you from the hours of nine till five every day of the week. So whether you're uh, working in a grocery store, whether you're a teacher, whether you're out at the army, whatever you're doing, God is interested passionately about what you're doing between the hours of nine to five. And going deeper might be saying, well, maybe he wants to use me this week, Monday morning, in just little ways. Perhaps it's by demonstrating kindness and love to people that you work with. Perhaps it's avoiding the gossip. Perhaps it's praying for your workmates right where you are that they would come to know more about what it means to follow Christ. Perhaps it means with your overwhelming schedule, instead of just going, ah, you go, God, give me wisdom in what I'm doing. God, would you help me know the right way to prioritise my day? Perhaps it means that uh, he wants you to honour the, the people that you work with as you might lead them at work. Could be that going deeper, though, means for you that this morning God, you sense God's calling you to not just change the things that are happening right here, but to radically change location. You know, it might be that, as Jesus said, Go out into the deeper waters. Perhaps right within your spirit you sense God saying, that's not in Wodonga. That might be somewhere overseas. It might be Malawi. It might be uh, right over in different countries that are far from here. It could be ministering in Russia. It could be uh, going over to all different parts of the world to serve him. Maybe that you realise this morning, as Jesus says, go out deeper, that he might be calling you to full-time ministry. The, the, the most important thing this morning <coughs> is when Jesus says, go out into the deeper water. Because he's not looking for people that would say, now, what do I think uh, God might be saying? But he's looking for people who are willing just to do what he says, to take the next step, to get the boat, to load up the nets, to push out into the deeper water. And not looking at what the results might be. <laughs> we won't catch anything. We've been searching all night. We've been doing that. It's not going to be worth it. But just focusing on being obedient to Christ in all that he does. Because I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is looking for people 
who are willing to go where he leads them. Go out where it's deeper, even though you're tired, even though you're afraid, even though you feel completely inadequate. Go out where it's deeper. I think the next two verses just kind of show so clearly that um, Jesus is more than able to provide in every way for those who are willing to follow his leading. Look what it says. And at this time, their nets were so full that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their nets, brought their partners in other boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. What an incredible difference it made. You know, all night they'd been searched, you know, doing and nothing. Then all of a sudden, they just did what Jesus had said. They put down their nets and up came this enormous catch. Overwhelming. This is a miracle. This is God at work doing things that that they could never have done in their own strength. And the evidence of it is overwhelming. Sinking boats, needing people to come and catch all the fish that was coming. Calling out, come and help, come and help. It's going to sink. Help me. And right in the midst of his obedience, we see that this response happened. The crowd would have been cheering. The crowd would have been overwhelmed. And I just think this passage just so clearly part, these verses just show that if you're willing to follow God, no matter what he's leading you to, no matter how weird it is or bizarre, no matter how, how, how seemingly un uh, important it might be, you know, maybe they thought they were only just going to catch a few fish. But if you're willing to say yes, I wholeheartedly believe that God's going to provide for you. He's going to use you. Sometimes it won't be financially, but here, just note how much food they had. They would have taken home fish. They would have fish all around the place. They wouldn't have been able to eat it in time before it rotted. But their families would have been fed. Their people would have been fed because of this incredible catch of fish. But I think that those who put their ultimate trust completely in following Christ, no matter what, he looks after them. He will care for you. And that's why Jesus said when, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, don't, don't worry about tomorrow what you wear or what you're going to do because God knows about your needs. He's going to look after you. So the person who says, here I am in this incredible, great, secure job, but I feel God's calling me to go overseas to help people that are, Poor, diseased, sick. As you consider that prospect, hear the voice of Jesus saying, don't worry, I'll provide. Just, just, Just obey, I'll provide. I remember being at AMP and I remember as soon as you started at work at AMP, you sort of got in these saving funds that they would take. You know, all you had to do was talk to the financial advisor. They'd set you up about three different saving funds and every pay period they'd put a bit in and they'd just keep growing. And I remember, you know, often looking down at the thing and thinking, oh, 10 years' time, these are just going to be right up here and you get all the payments out of these great savings funds and I'm going to be able to model to people what being an AMP is all about, you know, it's financial security. And I remember just God speaking to me and I, I, I remember going into the car parks and there'd be, you know, 
a BMW here, a beautiful car there, and I drive in my Datsun 240K and I think, <laughs> at least they're growing one day, one day. And then I remember driving out of that uh, car park for the last time. I remember thinking, I don't know whether I'm ever going to own a house. You know, BMW is out of the question. And now I'm facing giving you know, $5,500 away every year um, for Bible college. But I did know that God would provide for me. And he would do the same for you. If you listen to him, if you respond to him, if you just do what he says, uh, Jesus is more than able in every way to provide for those who follow his leading. Look at what it says in verse 8 and 9. When, when Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. You know, Peter had been brought personally into the sphere of Jesus. And he'd been brought personally into the uh, mighty power of the kingdom of God. And he was, he, he, he was before Jesus. And this wasn't the first time that Peter had seen Jesus at work. He, he'd, he'd seen him earlier on and he'd seen some of the miracles that he'd done. But now it was different this time because Jesus was right in Peter's personal universe. You know, he was, he was right with him there. This was his sea. This was his boat. This was his nets. And so the significance came to him as never before. You know, many people have you heard have heard of God doing incredible things in other people's lives. You know, you can hear stories about God, but he wants to use you. He really wants to use you. Oh, it might not be as amazing as other stories that you've heard of people, but he does want to do things through you. And the only thing that might be stopping you is the willingness to say, God, where am I going? But look, look at his response. He not only shows in this that, he's a, he's a, he, that, that Jesus has come into his fear and now it's all different, but he shows clearly in his response an incredible awareness of Jesus and who he is. You know, while they were catching all the fish and while they were putting it on and going, wow, help, 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 all of a sudden it just dawned on Peter. This is no ordinary event taking place. This is is an event that only God could do. Only God could direct fishes like this. Only God who made the fishes can make them swim into nets like this. Only God can work miracles like this. Here was the Lord of fish and fishermen, the Lord of nature, the Lord of men, right before him. And you know what his response was? His, his response was that he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me alone. Please leave me alone because I'm a sinful man. He not only was aware of who Jesus was, but when he became aware of that Jesus was God, the maker of the heavens and earth, he realised of how different from him he was. 
he realised how unlike God he was and he fell at Jesus' knees crying, go away, go away, Lord, I'm a sinful man. This is the, the proper response to God. You see, it's seen right through the Bible that when people came face to face with the living God, it wasn't that they said, use me, God. You know, they kind of fell down feeling like they were completely inadequate before a holy, sovereign God. Think of Isaiah. In Isaiah 6 and verse 1, it says, When Isaiah saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and exalted, his first thought was not one of adoration but one of fear. He felt such um, you know, morally uh, far from God, so sinful in respect to his own sin that he cried out and he cried out, woe to me, woe to me. And think of Job. He had the same experience in Job 42 and verses 5 and 6. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself. And repent in dust and ashes. And John would write um, in the book of Revelations, he'd write, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John 1, uh, Revelation 1 and verse 17. Uh, This is um, a response to Jesus. And it's, it's so clear that when... Peter came face to face with Jesus. He realised how just so bankrupt he was morally to God. And his response was, get away. Get away from me. Do you know the interesting thing? That's the exact position we need to be in to be used by Jesus. Uh, When we're aware of our sin, when we're aware of how far short we fall of what God has created us to be, when we realise how desperately we need him in order to be acceptable in his sight. Then we become dependent on him and not on ourselves. And we come to him destitute and we come to him sinful and we say, God, you could never use someone like me. And that's the time where God says, I want to use you. I want to use you. I've met many people who have said, I'm a good bloke. I'm a good guy. I'm okay. And when I hear those kind of things, I I realise that perhaps there hasn't really been a genuine encounter with the living God. Because when you come to know the living God, you realise that you can't stand before him on your own merit. And you kind of respond like Peter. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I wonder uh, if you've come to that point where you've met the living God and you know that you're a sinner and that you uh, can't do what he's calling you to do in your own strength, that you need to depend on him for everything that you do because the truth is that Jesus is looking for people who are humble, who recognise their need for dependence on him. You know, if you just think, you've got the goods, you've got what it takes, then you'll do things in your own strength. But if you come to him recognising your sinfulness and say, God, please, I'm not worthy, but if you want to use me, use me. For people like that, Jesus 
wants to use. You qualify if you think that you don't. Because the only way that you qualify is through what Jesus would do as, the, uh, as his ministry continued. His death on the cross and his resurrection showed that you and I aren't worthy. He paid the price in our place. And his death now makes us clean and holy before God. But it doesn't mean that we're, we're now right and able to go on. We're, we're people who walk now with a limp, who recognise our sinfulness and without God, we don't have the right to stand. So we're people that depend on God for every step of the way and we do what he calls us to do in our lives. And when we realise that, then we truly, really are ready to follow him. Do you know the uh, passage continues on and we see that Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they'd landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter knew that he was imperfect, but he'd met with Jesus. And saying, I'm a sinful man, showed his humility. But Jesus responded with a prophetic call about what Peter would become. He said, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be fishing for people. This is an incredible thing when you look at the at the wording, the word to say fishing for people it kind of uh, means like catching men. And it's a combination of two words, two Greek words. Alive, one word, and the other word is to catch and to hunt. So what he was saying is from now on you'll be catching and hunting alive people. So the difference is he's been catching fish that he would kill and would gut and eat. So he would catch things and, and it would bring their death. But he's saying from now on you're going to be catching things alive and helping bring life to people. And to turn you to one who's instead of catching fish, you're going to catch men and you're going to bring life to them. You know, that was fulfilled in Peter's life, wasn't it? Uh, Luke records in Acts that when Peter had, had preached at, at Pentecost, there's so many respond. It says there in Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And a short time later, there were 5,000 people that had come and grown. The numbers had grown too. Peter's life showed through, through Peter's life and his obedience, the number of people that followed Christ just grew and grew and grew. Peter had been caught. Jesus had said, and come into his fear. He'd said yes, and out of that, he'd now become a fisher of man. I think Jesus is still wanting to catch uh, fish through people. I think every single one of us are called to be those that would say, yes, Jesus. I want to I press out into the deeper water, and whatever you're calling me to do, I know you want me to be about your kingdom. I know you want me to be about living my life so I become more and more like you and part of that is fishing for men. 
and women. Uh, part of that is, is sharing the gospel wherever I can. So it could be that you say next week, Part of my sharing the gospel is I'm going to bring and I'm going to give to Gideon so that Bibles can get out and I'm going to make a, 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 an offering that will help Bibles get into the hands of people. It could be that you say, I'm going to take this adopt the people group thing really seriously and I'm going to pray for people in that country and I'm going to pray like mad that God would speak to me and use me so that I might be part of what this church is doing to impact the world. It could be that you're saying, I'm going to seriously sit down now and I'm going to pray for all of my neighbours because I want to be a fisher of people. I want to invite them for dinner. I want to get to know them. I want to love them. I want to show them God's love so that one day they might hear the voice of Jesus and it might come right through me as I invite them along or as I share with them about the gospel. But I'm going to be a fisher of people for you. Jesus. You know, I, I don't think it, it meant that uh, everybody is called to, to go into full-time ministry, but I'm certain that this is what happened for Peter. You know, it shows that there were people like Paul who kept his tent-making ministry but still while he was in full-time, but I'm sure this passage, Peter was called into full-time ministry. He left his nets, all the rest did. And I think Jesus would want to say to some of you, and it could be that he's calling you to leave what you're doing, to head overseas to head to Bible college for training for the ministry, to, to head for, for some kind of area where you're going to be serving him full time. God's still calling people to do that. And it could be that he's calling you today. They, they got back to the boat. They got back to the shore. People would have been just laughing and giggling and throwing fish everywhere. And they just left everything they had and followed him. Jesus is saying, go deeper. Press out into the deep waters. Won't you respond wholeheartedly this morning to the voice of God as he speaks to you? Let's pray together. Oh God, we want to thank you that in April 2006, you're still calling people. And you still call ordinary people like me and, and all the people gathered here today. But God, we know that you want to do more than ordinary things through us. Because God, when we say yes to you, whether it's things that are seen by people or things that are seen only by you, you want to build your kingdom through us. God, this morning we just want to say yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. We'll get the nets. We'll, we'll launch the boat. We'll go out into the deeper water. Maybe if you feel God saying yes to you right now, just in your where you are, just say, yes, Jesus. Yes. Let him just speak to you about what he's calling you to do. God, we want to pray that you will just continue to help us to realise that it's only through what you've done for us that we can serve you. We're, we're sinful people who have been saved by grace 
forgiven, made clean, made whole, but still so prone to sin. And we need you every moment of every day. Help us to live humbly as we serve you. Help us to realise how much we need you and can't do it on our own. And God, as we leave everything, as we are willing to let go of our jobs, our careers, as we're willing to do what you're calling us to, if that be staying where we are as we, or, or, or doing the next step in what you're calling us to, whatever that is, God, we just say thank you. Thank you that you'll provide. Thank you, God. And God, I just pray that you would do your incredible work right through each of us, Lord as we continue to dedicate ourselves to you. This is our prayer and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning it would be just great if you could take a few moments to respond now. In the news sheet there's blue cards. We just love everybody here to, to take one. Obviously in a church this size, if you're just new and you want to remain anonymous, you can do that. Um, so don't feel like you have to, but we just love everybody to fill out the, the blue cards, your name and address, and we'd love you to respond. Maybe it's a prayer request. Maybe it's um, the next course or something you want to sign up in. Um, maybe it's the decision that you're making. Why don't we just respond now um, in these times?